The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 127 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rapier. Thank you so much for checking in again with us this week. We have got such a great guest. Michael D. Young is not only a member of the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square, he is also just a very accomplished all-around musician and singer, as well as a writer and just a really amazing guy. You are going to love this conversation. I was so impressed with Michael. We haven't met. We did this online But uh, I was so impressed with just him and his attitude and what a positive, incredible guy he is. And this week in my Latter-day Life, we'll talk about the importance of standing up for people. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. This week on the Latter-day Lives podcast, my guest is not only an incredibly talented musician and singer, and uh, also a writer and a poet and a performer and so many other things, Michael D. Young. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me on. We're doing this. Uh, tell us, tell us where you are right now. Uh, I live out in Tooele. Actually, I moved out here a few years ago to uh, to take a teaching position. Now, for our listeners, especially outside of Utah, tell us how you spell Tooele. All right. It is T-O-O-E-L-E. Yep. And everybody says Thule when they first get here. Yeah, exactly. It's very special that it's Twilla. (laughs) Yeah. I've heard some reports that it it used to be T-U-I-L-L-A, Twilla, like like that. (laughs) That makes a little Mm. more phonetic sense, but... Yeah, it's definitely different calling it uh, Twilla, so... Well, but let's go back before uh, back before today, because I have so many questions for you. Go let's go way back. Tell us where you're from. You bet. So, you know, I uh, I am what I self-identify as a military brat. My father was a an Air Force pilot for 25 years, an officer in the wow. Air Force. And so I, I was born in Arizona, but only lived there for you know, a few months before I moved to Japan, at Okinawa. Uh, then I, I lived all over the United States, both coasts, uh, in uh, California, New Jersey, Illinois, Oklahoma, uh, finally ended up, um, in Utah for school, went to BYU and uh, served a mission in uh, Frankfurt, Germany. So wow. I, I lived, so you are a global man. Uh, yeah. I've, li- I've lived in Europe and Asia and, uh, all over the States. So let's go back to your childhood. Uh, were you raised in the church? I was, yeah. Both, both my parents are actually from, they're both raised in Utah, but I, I didn't end up in Utah until I was uh, an adult myself. Yeah. So you were, you were raised in the church. How many siblings do you have? Yeah. I'm the oldest of eight. I have three sisters and four brothers. So it's a nice, it's a four or four split. <laughs> eight kids moving around that much. That's oh, yeah. amazing. Well, especially in the military, like nobody has that big of a family. And so like, <laughs> they like would say, Hey, we want to, we need to get your new base housing. And they're like, Ooh, you guys might need two houses. You know, like they're just not equipped for that. You know, people have like two, three kids, and like we have eight. 
Did you live on base quite a bit? Uh, yeah, until about high school, we were on base. And then finally, we were like, yeah, then we're just going to give you a stipend and go find a house, you know, <laughs> off base. Because yeah, by that point, uh, let's see, my, my seventh sister, sorry, my seventh, the seventh sibling, my third sister was, was born my first week of high school. And so, you know, there were seven kids. All right. So I've never lived on base. I have no family that's military. What's something that you remember from growing up on base that people who did not grow up in the military, what's something unique? Every military base is very similar. Like you go to like the Air Force bases, you go to one and you feel like, oh, you like go to another one and like halfway across the country and it feels like an extension of the previous one. <laughs> uh, like they all have the same thing. They've got the uh, the BX, that it's called the BX, which is the base exchange. It's kind of like a uh, a tax-free Walmart or it's like, like every, you know, all sorts of things that you want, but you, there's, you don't have to pay taxes on any of it. So, so it's like sure. super cheap. And then the, go, going to the commissary, which was like kind of like the grocery store, same thing. Like, Oh, you get all your groceries tax-free. Um, one thing I used to love is that my dad, who was a pilot w- could got permission to come take the young men's uh, on his flight simulators. And so they had these like super high tech, you know, cutting edge simulators where you, you, you'd sit in this pod and like it would move around, <laughs> like you pretend you're flying a plane, you know, but you know, I like that, that's my dad. Cool the dad. young men must have thought he was the coolest. Oh, seriously. Well, and he, he, he went everywhere. You know, I've been a lot of places, but he has been on every continent about he, I mean, he even flew a mission to Antarctica when I was in junior high you know, that's I, incredible. That was so cool. You know, like, like he brought back videos, like it's not much to see, but yep, here yeah. I am. <laughs> so I was, so I work with uh, the exchanges quite a bit. In fact, I was just down in Dallas. The one for the Army and Air Force is called AFES. Yep. And, uh, and I work with AFES quite a bit. And I was in an AFES store doing a store visit, checking on our products. And as I was leaving, I went to buy a pack of gum and I got up to the front pack of gum. And she says, uh, yeah, I need your, you know, your military ID. I said, Oh, I'm not military. She said, I can't sell this to you. Yep. You know, you, and I was like, wow, I'm really, really not part of the club. So yeah, it was such a rite of passage when you, you could get your military ID when you turned 10 years old. And that was like the thing, you know, like, Oh man, I am official, you know, (laughs) (laughs) official card with your picture on it, you know? That's so fun. What what a neat thing. So then how did you kind of figure out if you're moving around that much, but I guess, were you going to school? Like, were you going to regular schools when you were living yeah. on base? Yeah, they, they had really great schools on base. Um, and luckily it was a lot of other military kids. So they, they kind of understood you, you know, they, they, they yeah. moved around too all the time. Um, yeah, I had really great schools and I had really good, I got started really early with music. Um, like for example, in my fifth grade, um, school, it was in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. Uh, but they had a wonderful choir and they had a handbell choir. I was in a handbell choir in fifth grade. Wow. That, that got that's me cool. And yeah, I, I think that that's really cool. And we're going to talk about, of course, the tabernacle choir, but oh, yeah. there's also, there is the handbell I don't know exactly what it's called. Oh, yeah, it's Temple the Bells Square. on Temple Square. And I actually was part of the Bells on Temple Square before I was in the Tabernacle Choir. I uh, I had that experience. I, I'd done it in, I, I did it in elementary school, then eventually uh, played in the handbell choir in high school too. And so when oh, they started awesome. in the bell choir, I was like, oh man, I want to do that. And it also had lower age requirements than for the tab choir. So I actually <laughs> got That's off my That's really cool. Yeah, got in that for a few years. And then when I was old enough, I tried out for the tab choir and just 
transitioned. <laughs> Did you always like, is your family musical? Do you come from a oh, musical yeah. family? Oh my yeah. goodness. Yes. Well, at least my mother's side, uh, they are, my mom was a cooker Hans and she, uh, had a, a she had 10 siblings mm. all and all of them are musical pretty much they they, they still are and they uh, my the extended family are all i mean it's just it's big one big musical clan it's it's awesome and were you put into music when you were young i i you know we've had a lot of musical guests on and some the parents are like you're going to be musical we, we we know you have the talent but you're going to we're putting you in piano lessons we're putting you in choir uh-huh. and then others just found it for themselves how was it for you you know a little bit of both because my my mom was a piano teacher and so mm. i turned eight and she's like do you want to do it and I, I already had a lot of exposure to music just through church and being you know having little roles and church programs and stuff. And so I, I was interested in it, but she also was very encouraging of, of it. She was, you know, she grew, was a wonderful pianist. I'd, I'd grown up watching her accompany everybody and being like, and so she, she cut, told all of us kids, like, I want you to learn the piano well enough so that you can serve in the church. You know, you don't need to become a concert pianist. You'll use it on your mission, which I did. Uh, you'll use it in, you know, just everywhere that you go in the church, you can bless people with music. So that, that was her stipulation. <laughs> That's awesome. You, you play piano, you play handbells. Do you play any other instruments? Uh, so I, I did learn organ, which is definitely a bit of a different beast than the piano. Wow. Um, but no, that, that basically I, I sing piano, uh, organ, and handbells have been my experience. That is awesome. The organ to me would be the most daunting. I'm not musical remotely. I have no musical talent. <laughs> okay. But uh, I feel like uh, I definitely feel like uh, organ would be the toughest. It is tough. Well, I, I, I want to tell you a quick story about the organ. Is I uh, I was on my I was a missionary in Germany. And my very first area, well, I, I had one of the the bishopric come up to me. One of the people in charge and said, Elder Young, I hear you play the, uh, the piano. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm a pianist. <laughs> it's like, you're playing the organ today for sacrament meeting. I'm like, I've never, I've literally never played the organ. He's like, he kind of looks at me and shrugs his shoulders and says, ah, you'll learn. <laughs> and so I did, that was my very first time with playing the organ was in sacrament meeting. I'm like, Oh, oh my God. gosh, come on. Yeah. But like, you know, in, in a foreign country, you know, yeah. <laughs> like first three months of my mission or something crazy like that. But uh, I, I did learn. And ever since I, I've been, the, I've been a war organist like three or four times since then. So. That's amazing. <laughs> Michael, that's so incredible. Well, this kind of takes us up to your mission. You get called to, you said it was the Frankfurt, Germany mission. Yeah. How was your mission? Oh, man, tough as nails, but so fun. Um so I, I took German in high school and I thought, oh man, I've got German ancestry, Swiss German ancestry. And like, I'm like, gosh, I'd, I'd love to go to, to Germany. And I, I got my call and it was dated April 1st and it was where I wanted to go. <laughs> so like, mm, President Hinckley, do this to me, you know, <laughs> the real call is coming tomorrow. No, um, so it, it was wonderful. Uh, it's just, it's a beautiful, gorgeous place. There's, it's tough as nails though, trying to talk to people about religion that, you know, Germany yeah. can be very private uh, and just, it, you don't talk to people about politics or religion, you know, especially not strangers. And yeah. the church is very small, strong. It like is. The, it's very strong, but small. Is that a good characterization? Absolutely. See, there's only four stakes in all of Germany and like, you know, yeah. they, um, they're huge. Uh, and I've been they, to, I've been to church in, uh, I've been to church in Berlin and oh, in Munchen, but uh, never oh. in Frankfurt. 
So, yeah. but it, it, I was so impressed with the members there. It was just awesome. Oh yeah. They have fantastic members. So once they're in, they're very loyal, very dedicated, you know, very, oh, stalwart people. But, uh, yeah, uh, we had, did have a lot of success where I, I got to actually use my military connections to, uh, go on the military bases there and then oh, wow. teach, uh, Americans as well. So that was really nice. I, I got, oh, that's there. neat kind of mix things up, do a little German work, a little American work. Um, I actually saw my military card. So I could actually get on base, like get other elders on base. So uh, I was pretty popular with uh, (laughs) (laughs) the cool. Now, a lot of people who music comes naturally to them, language does as well. Did you find that with learning German? Oh, absolutely. Um, I was, by the end of my mission, um, not only had a, I got pretty, pretty, decent in the language, but I, my, I'm, I'm able to get a good accent. So where people, they wouldn't think I was an American, but they, they'd be like, they think I was a European, but like not, not German, but some other mm. European, like, like, are you from Holland? Are you from, you know, I sounded enough like, you know, somebody who grew up in Europe, but you know, <laughs> I did yeah. you know, German in school or something like that. So that's not uh, bad, Michael. That's yeah. Good, I, so. I, I, I'm happy about that. And now I've, uh, I've used it so much now that I think a lot of people actually, you know, some people, uh, can't tell that I'm not, can't tell that I'm American at all. Yeah, that's probably a good segue because I don't know if we'll get to it later. Tell us what you do for a living. Oh, you bet. So I am a teacher. Uh, I got my, I got a, a degree in German teaching from BYU. I got a master's degree in instructional design from WGU, Western Governors University. And that's just basically curriculum development. And so uh, I went, I taught, I taught a little bit of high school, but right now I'm a German dual language immersion teacher, right? <laughs> Second grade in German. I would have to say your German must be pretty darn good to be doing immersion. <laughs> You're speaking yeah. it all day long. Well, so and that's it, awesome. it, it definitely helps because uh, a lot of my colleagues are actually Germans. They, they, they bring in a lot of native uh, German teachers and they teach, uh, I think, grades three through six right now are all native Germans. Very cool. Uh, you come home from your mission. Was BYU next? Yeah. So I'd done a year before my mission and then I came back and just picked it right back up. How was your BYU experience? Oh, it was great. I, I met my sweetheart, Jennifer. Uh, we were just in the same ward actually before my mission. She wrote to me on my mission, uh, came back and we were like, hey, you know, this is still good. We're one of those <laughs> people who actually survived the, the, the mission experience and stuff. That is so rare. That is so rare. rare. Yeah. yeah, but we, uh, yeah, I got married and... Uh, How long after you got home from your mission did you get married? Oh, pretty soon, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, it, it was later that year, the same year when I, I got home. But good you know, for we, you. I want to talk about the choir. We've had two members of the choir on. Oh, nice. Uh, and Anne Marie, who was Anne Marie St. Felix, is now oh, Anne Marie Otanez. I know her. Who's sure. one of my dearest friends. I grew up with Anne Marie. She's phenomenal. Yeah. She, she gave us some of the background. And then we had Jim Bennett on, but he was not a member of the choir when we had him on. So. Oh, yeah, that's right, because he's he's pretty new. Yeah, he just started last year. So that's right. uh, tell tell us your journey, because I think people are fascinated by the choir. And again, I'm still getting used to the fact that it's the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> What's fun about that is that my journey toward the choir really started when I was a kid. Uh, I had my great aunt was in the choir. Uh, <laughs> and she was so fun because her, her first name was Lynn and her last name was Lynn. Her name was Lynn Lynn. What? Gosh, you must have really loved that guy. <laughs> yeah, I guess. And your name was Lynn, and you married a guy named Mr. Lynn, so she became Lynn Lynn. Wow. Um, but she was my, was my grandma's sister, and she had the, she had this great, 
beautiful halo of, of gray or white hair. And so after every general conference, we'd all look, we'd all look for Lynn Lynn's beautiful hair and spot her in the choir. And so I, I grew up, you know, just fascinated with the choir and just loving it. And, you know, I, I would, I would sing in church and stuff and people ever since I was a kid would say, you know what, gosh, you should be in the tabernacle choir someday. And so I, I had literally had people telling me that growing up. And so I really kind of just grew up with this idea of, Hey, that's something I want to try to do. Yeah. Um, and so I got, got back from my mission and I said, Oh, you know what? You only, you only have to be 20 in order to join the bell choir and, you know, got bell experience and that's part of the tabernacle choir organization. So might as well. And so I, I got on with the bells of temple square, just did, they had an open audition. I got in and I got to start performing with the choir, uh, like at their Christmas concerts that, you know, all the amazing special guests they bring in. And so that I kind of got to be part of the choir family, so to speak, for a few years. Then I turned 25 and I said, I sat down with my wife and said, okay, um, I want to, I want to try for this, you know, who knows. Right. And she was supportive. Uh, We went for it and I got it. I was, I was a little floored Uh, because a lot, I hear a lot of, you know, sometimes people say, oh, I had to try a few times. And I, luckily it was, (laughs) I think I, it helped it was a year they hadn't had auditions, but the year before. And so they actually, they had a lot of slots open. So it was a great year to audition and got right in. Wow. And what the, how rigorous is that? Like the, the whole audition process, how my understanding and, and from what I recall from talking to Anne Marie about it is it's quite a process. I mean, it's oh, not just like one audition, right? Oh no. <laughs> um, so you fill out the paperwork and then you send in uh, you know, round one, you send in a recording of yourself. They, they give you a few hymns to choose from. You sing a hymn, you sing some scales and they say, hey, we'll get back to you. And then you get a letter in the mail saying, okay, you, you made the first cut. Now you got to come in to the tabernacle on this, this certain day and you take a two hour theory test, music theory. And, oh man, like Did I can't feel like you knew all that. <laughs> What's that? Did you feel like you knew all of the the, the, the questions? <laughs> I, you know, they had a the the test is split into two parts. Where the first part is like ear training skills, where like listen to these two recordings. Now, what did we change? Was it the rhythm? Was it the notes? Was it the same? Was it both? Was it none? You know, like oh, Michael, I'm having nightmares right oh, now. Really? I am. <laughs> my heart is pumping so fast because I, that would be my worst nightmare. I don't understand any of that. Oh man. Well, see. I came out of it feeling like I have no idea how I did on that, you know, cause a lot of it's just like, you're, it's kind of like instinct. Like, Hey, you're like, hear this. What do you say? You know, like it's really quick too. Like you got a Scantron you're sitting there like B A C, you know, like just hoping that your musical instincts are honed enough to, you know, reach the threshold. And, um, basically a lot, a lot of people come out of that feeling that same way. It was, I mean, I've talked to a lot of my friends in the choir. It's like, Oh, that test. Oh Yeah. Uh, but so if you do reach a certain threshold on that test, they will take you in for an in-person audition with the director and the associate director and usually someone else too on the staff. That's uh, Mac Wilberg and Ryan Murphy. You, you just go in. Mm. You, this time you get to choose a hymn. That's, you know, it's just you. It's, oh, yeah. It's just you with Mac Wilberg. Oh, my gosh. But uh, Michael, that's it, amazing. It was, yeah, it was. But like, it was fun. I walked in and he's like, "Hey, I know you." I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm in the bells." He's like, "Oh yeah, of course." Um, so I, you know, I'm like, "Yes, he does my face." You know? <laughs> <laughs> but and, um, and then, what did you sing for your audition song? I sing. Oh, I love the 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 hymn on this day of joy and gladness. 
Mm. And, you know, it's, it's a nice kind of, I'm a tenor. Uh, and so it's a very nice, you know, kind of high register hymn. Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. Um, so yeah, you, you do that. And then they do a little bit of sight reading, which is they just give you a, a, a choral passage that you haven't seen yet. And they say, oh, here's your starting note. Sing this for me just to kind of get your note reading skills. You know, that was, that was that's pretty nerve wracking, especially, you know, uh, these, you know, Mac and, and Ryan are, have these, just an ear like you wouldn't believe. They, 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 you've got 360 people singing and they're like, hmm, I, there's a little, someone who's a little flat in the second tenors, about three or four rows up. You're like, that is, wow, no way. Oh man, (laughs) it's ridiculous. So, you know, you know, they're, they're, they're extremely discerning, I guess that's what you could say. Yeah, I would say so. That was nerve wracking. But then I, uh, a few weeks later, so after that audition, you just get a letter in the mail. And uh, you see, you open it up, it's got the choir letter head on it and says, all right, you're in, uh, you're into the training choir. And then you have to show up in you know, that. I got that in November. You show up in January for three or three or four months of training, uh, where every Tuesday night, every Thursday night, where one, uh, one night of the week is what they call choir school, which is more like kind of like a master's course in music theory, just getting you all ready to all polished up. And then the other is called the corral, the temple square corral where you, um, you put it together music uh, as a kind of a training choir and you give a concert at the end. It's kind of your graduation, your rite of passage. Uh, um, you, do, you prepare some major choral work. And then once you do that, they say, okay, uh, you're, that's it. <laughs> that's it. You're, you're, uh, they call it the, the train that never stops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you done any traveling with the choir at all? Oh, Anything yeah. I have been on five major tours with the choir and I'm going on another one this summer. Mm, where, where have you been with the choir? Let's see. Uh, we did an East coast tour um, that started in Norfolk and went up to uh, Toronto. We, uh, we did another tour where we um, did kind of the, the Midwest, like Chicago, Milwaukee, Minneapolis. We did one on the East, the West coast where we started up in LA and ended up in uh, Vancouver. We went on a European tour or I, I go back to Germany and back to Frankfurt specifically, uh, about five awesome. like or six different countries in Europe. And uh, gosh, what's one am I forgetting? How emotional must that have been for oh. you, Michael, to be back? Here you are where you taught the gospel, where you learned German, where you grew to love the people. And now suddenly you are a member of the choir singing in Frankfurt. What was that like? Oh, it, it was extremely emotional. I, I saw people that I knew and I you know, the places I knew. And I, I, when you join the choir, you're set apart as a missionary. And so I, it was like returning as a missionary to Frankfurt one more time. So that, yeah. um, that's awesome. And I got, they let me do a, um, they did these firesides there where it, in the, in the different countries and had people who had, had connections or had been other missions there or whatever. So I actually spoke at a fireside uh, on, a, on one of the Sundays we were there in German Um mm. And had people, you know, that I'd, I'd met on my mission all came. I mean, it was fantastic. It's <laughs> just awesome. So, okay, the funny thing about that, though, <laughs> I got I prepared this whole talk in German. And, you know, spent a lot of time making sure I got it right. And, and then I, I get up there and they're like, hey, this this ward is a, uh, is a dual language ward. They have a lot of servicemen here, service people. So they, <laughs> they actually had a guy after I spoke in German, like would translate it back into English. <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> what? <laughs> You're like, you know, I could just say it 
twice yeah. as what you want, you know. Like, you, you know, I do speak English. You do know. Yeah, that, right? like, I'm an American, guys. <laughs> my English is actually just slightly better oh, than my German. Oh, no, so, it is. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm perfect. Michael, that's so funny. When you have conference weekend and you're there, there's, you know, you're, you're there with the prophet, you're there with all the apostles and all the general authorities. These incredible messages are being shared. But at the same time, you have a job to do too. Oh, yeah. How much is it? Like, are you able to kind of focus spiritually on the talks and everything? Or are you more focused on, okay, we're about to sing this and I got to remember this part? <laughs> What's that mix? Yeah, that that's a great question. I I, I think General Conference is probably the best thing I, I, I get to do with the choir. Uh, it's like my Super Bowl weekend where I, you know, it, it, <laughs> this is it's what the training's been for. Um, you know, I mean, we, we reach more people on that weekend than we reach, you know, basically any other time. Too. Um, yeah, uh, the spirit is amazing, but you know it is a, it is tough too. Though it's a lot of work, um, a lot of preparation goes into that. And uh, honestly, a lot of the t- yeah, a lot of the times I am able to focus. I always write. Um, so I'm, I'm listening to the conference talks, and I, I write down little different phrases that I, I can use in my uh, my my texts, my poetry, and sometimes I even sit there and write. Um, I, just kind of how I take notes is I, I write them in in, in verse form. Um, yeah. But. Yeah, there are some times where I am just so exhausted that I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm sitting in this loft in this comfortable chair and it's dark and there's these beautiful voices talking about salvation and <laughs> the great plan. It's a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, you have a it, lot of sessions and these, these beautiful, soothing voices talk, you know. Yeah. Uh, so and and it's like, oh boy, you know, I am and it's warm. Uh, and it's, it's warm, warm, yeah. And you know, I'm surrounded by people. Um, so they actually tell us like it, it's okay for us to to have snacks, <laughs> like hidden in our our suit coats or whatever. You know, bring it, put under our chairs like to help us stay alert. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a Do you have a single? Fa- maybe you've already shared it, but do you have a kind of a single favorite moment being in the choir, or is that oh too specific? Gracious. Are there too many of them? There are many incredibly sacred moments from the choir. Um, I think one of the very best things that I, I've gotten to do was um, after President Monson passed away, they invited the choir to a private viewing. Mm. Uh, we got to individually pay last respects to the prophet. He was um, he, he was in the conference center. Um, yeah, I'll lay there, and we, we the whole choir we got to surround his um, his casket and sing uh, "God be with you" till we meet again to him. Gosh. Um, yeah, it was. Wow. Uh, yeah, I you know I he was the prophet for a lot of many of the formative years of my life. Um, sure, and I I just loved him. I, I, I love President Nelson. I love, I love President Nelson, but I, gosh, it, it was uh, it was just neat. What a, what a spiritual experience! Like, I mean, there are experiences in life that are spiritual, and then there are some that are sacred. And I I just can't imagine what a sacred moment that must have been. It really was, you know, there's, and there's something so beautiful uh, looking back at a life well lived too. And I, it was just that moment where I felt like, um, it, it was a moment where I, I kind of recommitted myself to living, trying to live a better life. Cause I, I saw, I just thinking about all the things that he'd accomplished in his life. Um, and how wonderful it was like at the end of his life to be like, wow, well done thou good and faithful servant. You know, he, he really endured to the end. He had a lot of uh, obstacles to overcome, but he was, he was faithful to the end. And no, I want awesome. to be able to say that too, you know, that it, that kind of sort of the things that 
um, came through my mind in that moment. That's a beautiful takeaway. You you not only you know sing and and do all these things. You write a lot of music. I do. Recently, they they announced, "Hey, we're accepting submissions for the hymn book." You uh, you got to work. Tell us I about that. Did so. I want to preface this by saying uh, the hand of the Lord was in my life. Uh, preparing me to for this particular task a long time before that um, before last year. Um, so I, I I got in, interested in it in sort of religious poetry and, and texts on my mission. But um, in 2017, it was January 2017, and I was thinking, oh boy, okay, resolutions. What am I going to do this year? Um, and I had this really interesting thought come into my head. This sort of uh, that I feel was a prompting, and it said, "You need to write a hymn text every single day this year, in 2017." And I thought, oh man. That is- that's a lot of work. <laughs> like, like, I, I full, like how, how long would that be? Like, like the full text to a hymn every day. Yeah. So like, you know, I typically write, you know, three to four verses, you know, some are longer than others, of course, depending on the meter and the rhyme scheme and all that. But I, every day, Michael, every I, want, day. I want to be clear because I feel like I must be mishearing you every day, every day. Yeah. And I, I, I felt, I kind of thought about it for a little bit and then, I said, oh, you know what? I, I'm going to do it. I, I keep on feeling this way that I need to do this. Mm-hmm. And so I did it. Um, every I, I wrote 365 different sacred texts in 2017. Wow. And when I was done, I was like, hey, you know, that was great. Because so a lot of it was just, you know, some, some were a lot better than others, of course. Uh, but um, it was just the practice. It was the consistency to where I could um, I could sit down with a topic and it, things would would flow so much easier because I it's been something I've been doing consistently every single day, um, and then I was actually on an uh, I just landed uh, with the Tabernacle Choir in Los Angeles. I was still on the plane. And I pulled out my phone to see if you know uh, I was going to text you know to text my wife say hey we landed safe and all that. And after I'd done that, I I looked and saw the announcement that the church was coming out with the new hymn book and children's songbook, and I realized, oh. That is why <laughs> Heavenly Father wanted me to do that because it, it, I now it's go time. You know, I I yeah. had preparatory period previous to that, so that now that it's go time, I can just go and I don't have to spend you know spend all that time trying to learn the rules and you know and to improve my craft. I was already uh, had improved myself a, a ton through that kind of that training year. And so I literally got to work that very day. And I worked on that every single day because it, 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 you had, we had a year from the time they announced it to the time that it, uh, the, the submission window closed. So the, so that uh, on July 1st, 2019, I worked on it every single day. I pounded the pavement. So, you know, digitally, so to speak, um, yeah. reached out to all sorts of different composers I, I collaborated with over 75 different people. Um, so the thing was, oh you only personally submit so many things for on your own accounts. But if you wrote a text and somebody else submitted, uh, composed music for it, and they could submit it on their account. So in that way, I, I just I wanted to collaborate with as many people as I could because this was, I mean, this is probably not going to happen again in my lifetime. And if no. I, uh, 
it's might as well do it right. Might as well. How many, how many songs did you end up or how many hymns did you end up submitting? Uh, it was a, between the two books. Uh, so the hymn book and the children's song book, it was about 150 submissions. Oh my goodness, Michael, that is, <laughs> that is astonishing. Like, that is so amazing. I can't imagine the number of hours you put in. It was a lot that of hours. Was just yeah. incredible. Uh, the, the Lord is good. And he, he, I, I feel yeah. that because I answered the call when he gave it to me, when I, that I heeded the prompting, even though it was, it was a difficult task that he, he was with me every step of the way. He opened so many doors. He, he led me to people uh, that I needed to meet. And I met so many salt of the earth people uh, through this project who I still now can collaborate with. It's great. I've got this, it kind of helped me build this huge network of people that I, <laughs> that I know and can call on and, um, uh, as well. And through also throughout that whole year, I also just even, I learned so much more and I, I, I love people it. who were able to give me feedback and help me and sort of hone my craft. So that I feel that some of the best things that I wrote were right near the end because I, I had even more practice and more time to uh, kind of rub off the rough edges of. Yeah, I bet. I mean, <laughs> that's incredible. Michael, like I, I can't get my head around that much work. <laughs> So this this must somehow then dovetail into chapter and verse. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so let's talk about chapter and verse. You bet. Uh, so once again, uh, the end of the year comes up and I start thinking about my goals. <laughs> and so back, that, back here in, oh, it was kind of, I guess it was kind of the fall 2019. I started thinking like, okay, well, you know what? I, I really, I really want to keep writing texts and things like that. I really enjoy this. Um, and I also, I had the feeling in my mind, you know, that's this kind of same kind of feeling like hey, you need to start a podcast. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that'd be fun. I'd love to do that. I'm, but, but what, you know, like what, what do I do? And, and I'm also, I'm so busy. I don't have time for, uh, you know, anything humongous, you know, I, I, I literally just don't have that much discretionary time. Um, and so I, I kind of let that gel for a while. And I thought, you know, why not bring these two things, these two strengths together where I, I like to uh, to talk. I like to, you know, I'm, I'm a teacher. I, I'm good at speaking. Uh, but also I love uh, I love to write. I love poetry specifically. And I thought, hey, you know what? We're coming up on the Book of Mormon uh, in Come Follow Me. And gosh, there. I mean, it's so fun to base uh, poetry off, off stuff, things in the Book of Mormon because there's so much material. There's, there's so many wonderful gems. And I thought, you know, I'm going to do one for every single chapter of the Book of Mormon because I want I want to show that every single chapter in the Book of Mormon has something that you can learn from it. Because, I mean, Moroni, Mormon Moroni say, hey, I didn't even include a hundredth part of all the proceedings of the of the people. Um, so whatever is in there, you know, is the, the one in a hundred. You know, it, it's got to be important because yeah, sure. you weren't included if it wasn't important. And so I thought that's kind of the underlying philosophy said, okay, I'm going to go through, I'm going to find one focus from each chapter, right? So um, from each chapter, you kind of focus on one verse of scripture or two verses or whatever. Uh, and every episode is to introduce it. I, I say the focus verses are this. I read the focus verses just so that, you know, you've got them fresh in your mind and say, now the text is called this. And I just, I read the text and that's it. Yeah. And so it's you know, and, and and for our audience, they can they can ac- access this as a podcast if yes. they search for chapter and verse. What I love about it is 
they're about two and a half minutes, sometimes two minutes, three minutes. Exactly. Just it's very quick, but it's, it gives you such a beautiful way to look. And I shared this with you before we started recording that the first one I listened to, I randomly, totally randomly, it happened to be my favorite scripture of all time, uh, which is, are we not all beggars? And oh, yeah, you, that's... Wrote, you wrote such beautiful text to it. I mean, you really... It's it's beautiful. Could you give us uh, just just an example? You don't have to read the whole oh, scripture, sure. but maybe just pick one that you enjoy and tell us what the scripture is about, and kind of mm-hmm. give people a flavor of what chapter and verse is. Oh, you bet. Let's see. Here's one. It's from Isaiah 12, and I, it's called the Founder of Peace. I'll just I maybe read you a a, a, a a stanza of that. But so in in, in Mosiah 12, it, it's uh, Abinadi talking to the priests. And they're like, what does this scripture mean? Uh, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of them that bring, you know, and, and he's like, well, you're priests and you don't know what that means. But <laughs> I've always loved this passage where um talks about how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring good tidings of good and declare design that God reigneth. Yeah. That yeah. I, I, I see that in the, the faces of the, the people that I, I sing with all the time. Or mm. like because the, their countenances are just so beautiful when they're preaching the gospel through music. So that th- that's a verse that's always uh, been very dear to me. Uh, so uh, let me just read you a, a little bit of this. How beautiful those who come bearing his name, declaring good tidings of good to all lands. How beautiful those who is coming proclaim, who work for the Lord as his feet and his hands. Break forth into joy for our God and our King will comfort and save us and Zion will bring. Gosh, that is amazing. Thank you. See, Michael, you kind of just take this this little tiny thing and then blow it up into something so beautiful. I love it. And it really gives a lot of emphasis. One of the things I've enjoyed since I've started listening is just, again, it's that quick couple of minutes of taking something that's already beautiful and plain and turning it into verse, which is really what we do when we sing. I mean, we're really singing, we're singing the gospel and you're taking that and uh, taking it to a whole different thing. And I, I just love it. I think it's fantastic. What kind of response have you gotten on your podcast? Yeah, it's been doing really great. Uh, I've got thousands of downloads already. Um, I've had Fun. people that, you know, message me and, and tell me, you know, gosh, that it, it, it's really, it's been uplifting. It's helped my Book of Mormon study. Uh, it's, you know, it's given me solace in a, a few moments that it, where I needed it. Um, love it. And so, yeah, I, I just feel like, you know, any, anytime I, I get that little, you know, itch in the back of my head, like this is a, this, you know, for, for a new project, I'm like, I'm going to do it because they, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to check in with you before 2021 to find out what, <laughs> you know, you, you wrote 365 songs or hymns. You, uh, you're now doing the podcast and doing one for every chapter of the book of Mormon. I don't know. Next year I expect to see, uh, you know, man in Tooele, decides to build a life-size ark or something. And, uh, I'll, go, oh, I'll bet that's Michael. <laughs> I think it's just awesome, Michael. I think you're doing such great work. So Thank if people want to see you sing, they can go see you sing at uh, Temple. Or, uh, right now, are you guys in the, the conference center currently? Well, or are you in we're the, finally back in the tabernacle. We're, we're back in the tabernacle. It, it's yeah. a little bit up in the air these days because of the construction that's going on. Uh, 
Oh, right. I didn't yeah. even think about that. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. We usually go back to the Tabernacle in January, but they had us there all a whole extra month over in the conference center because they're messing with the tunnels under the Tabernacle. And so... <laughs> yeah, we, we got to see you... Um, I think it was a couple of days after New Year. It was either right before or right after New Year. Oh, nice. And actually, the handbells were the day that we went. We went to Music and Spoken Word, and we oh, got yeah. to see you guys with the handbells. And you had a special guest singer, and it was glorious. It was so... Thank you. I love Music and the Spoken Word. It is oh, one of my too. favorite things, and I feel so, so blessed and fortunate that we live here in Utah. We get to see it regularly. So they can see you sing there. If they want to uh, listen to... Uh, chapter and verse. It's available wherever you get your podcasts, Absolutely. I assume. Yep. iTunes. It's on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, um, tune, tune in. Uh, yeah. I, I, I pride to put it in all major platforms. So uh, you can, I actually do a little thing where you can watch, even watch it on YouTube where I just, I, I read it oh, okay, cool. background. It has the, the, the focus verses up there, uh, like the references up there. So you can even just, I, you can follow it on the YouTube channel. I just wanted to make it as, as accessible as possible. I give you options, however you like to uh, get your content. Oh, Michael, I love it. I just love that you you are so talented and you have so many talents. And then hopefully, fingers crossed, we don't know when it's going to happen. But hopefully, at some point, we'll be singing some of Michael D. Young's hymns. So the, <laughs> oh, new, the, the hymns haven't been announced yet, but... Hopefully, you know, some of your submissions have made it in and we'll we'll uh, keep our audience definitely posted on that. Uh, this has been a great conversation. We're going to wrap up and I didn't prep you for this, but I get the feeling it's going to come easily to you. And we're going to ask the question that we ask every one of our guests. We end on the same question. And that is uh, Michael D. Young. What does being a member of the church mean to you? Oh, my goodness. Uh, it is. Uh, it's an incredible blessing. I I can so, sometimes I just sit and I think, well, wow, you know, I I can't believe that I know what I know. It, it it's it almost seems too good to be true that I have such a such an amazing gift in my life. And with that, I feel comes a lot of responsibility. Um, Lord has blessed me so much um, with different opportunities, with talents, and I I feel like I owe it I owe it to Him to live my life in such a way that is going to make him happy, make him proud of me and to, so that I can use those talents to bless as many people as I can for as long as I can. Um, the gospel is glorious. It really does make you happy. Um, there's, there's no substitute for the joy that living the gospel every day can bring. And I just find uh, the closer I am to, to living how I should be and that living up to the light that I have, the happier I am no matter what else is going on in my life. So I, I'm just so grateful for it. It, it is, there's, there's nothing else to compare to it. Beautiful, beautiful answer. He is a writer. He is a singer, a performer. Now he's a podcaster <laughs> and uh, on top of being a husband and a family man and, and a member of the greatest choir on earth, he's accomplished so much and he's teaching young lives and so many great things you're doing with your life. Thank Michael you. D. Young, thank you so much for sharing your Latter-day Life with us. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And my special thanks to my guest, Michael D. Young. I was so impressed with his talent and his drive and his attitude. It was so great to get to know Michael. 
This week in my Latter-day life, uh, I did some reflecting. I thought back to a time when I was 10 or 11 years old, and I was working for my father. My father had a paper recycling company, and part of the job was we'd drive around in this truck to these recycling centers, and we'd get these big bundles of newspaper. People would pack them into the paper grocery bags, and uh, we would have to load them into the truck. And part of that was sort of forming a human chain. We'd throw the the bundles to each other and catch one and then pass it along and someone would throw it up into the truck and then we'd stack it and once it was all loaded we'd drive off. Well my father wanting to teach me to work gave me a job. (laughs) Here I was again 10 or 11 and I was working with uh, a bunch of guys. I I didn't know a lot of them when, when I started working but there was one guy from our ward. Actually several young men from our ward worked for my dad. Uh, But there was this one guy, and his name was Darren. And Darren was a football player. He was a big, big, strong guy. He was about six or seven years older than I was. And Darren was always so good to me. And I, I just respected him, and I thought he was the coolest guy. And one day, while we were working, uh, one of the sort of temp laborers, uh, he started giving me a hard time. And one of the things they would do to each other, sometimes they would joke around and throw the paper extra hard or throw it when someone wasn't quite looking and you'd kind of catch them on the the side of their head or their shoulders, you know, and that's kind of how they'd mess around. And I was in the chain and I was catching the bags and throwing them to the next guy. And the guy behind me had been kind of giving me a hard time all day. And here I was, you know, I was 10 or 11 years old. I was the owner's son. I couldn't lift quite as much or throw as much as the other guys. But he started throwing bundles at me quickly and hard. And they started hitting me and they hurt. And I didn't know what to say because I was so young. And Darren looked over and he saw what this guy was doing. And he said to the guy, hey, man, knock it off now. And the guy kind of said, oh, I'm just messing around. And Darren said, I'm not kidding. Knock it off. And we kept working. And then at one point, all of a sudden, this guy threw a bundle of paper at me so hard. And it was obviously on purpose. And as I turned, it sort of caught me in the face. And I wasn't even able to catch the uh, bundle. And it fell to the ground. And I almost fell to the ground. And in a split second, I watched as Darren grabbed a huge bundle of paper and threw it at this guy so hard, it knocked him straight down onto his backside. And Darren ran over to him. Darren was a big, imposing guy. And he said, I told you to knock it off. And the guy jumped up, started swearing at Darren. Darren said, what are you going to do? And man, I would not want to tangle with Darren. And the guy backed down. And Darren said, you apologize. And the guy said, man, I'm sorry, I was just messing around. And I knew I was safe that day because Darren had my back. And over the years, I stayed in touch with Darren. He uh, moved down to St. George, Utah and opened a sporting goods store. Whenever we were down there, we would uh, stop in and see him. And the last time I saw him, though, was about five years ago when my brother passed away. He drove up with his family uh, first thing in the morning All the way up, it was a four-hour drive from St. George, drove up, came to the funeral, and drove home. But he hadn't seen me, and I was walking back from the cemetery over to the chapel when a van pulled over, and Darren jumped out and gave me a huge hug. Such a big man and such a strong man. 
And he hugged me and he said, I just had to track you down before we drove home and just tell you how much I'm, I'm so sorry about your brother. And he just, for about 10 minutes, we stood there and talked. And again, I just felt that that's Darren, such a stand-up guy. And I got to thinking about that this week because on Tuesday, my mom called me to let me know that Darren had passed away at 54 years old. In his sleep, he had had some type of problem. We don't know what yet, but they put him in the hospital and they were able to keep him alive for a few days. And then Darren passed away and I was gutted. But immediately my first thought of him was that Darren who stood up for me and who defended me. We live in a world where not enough people stand up, not for the truth, not for the gospel, not for each other. And Darren was a real stand-up guy. And his family's going to need some stand-up guys and stand-up men and women as he's now gone and he had children at home still. And it's been brutal. It really affected me. But I'm so grateful, and I hope that when I die, I hope that when I finally die, and I hope it's a long time, but I hope when I die, someone remembers me for doing something good. Gosh, I don't know if there's a better thing you can be remembered for than caring for your fellow man and standing up for them. And I'm so grateful for Darren. We live in a time right now where the great and spacious building is getting mighty full. And some days it feels like the iron rod is a pretty lonely place. But if we really look around, there are people there still who are standing strong and standing by and standing up for us. I will never forget Darren as long as I live. And I look forward to someday, I don't know how it all works, but after this life, thanking him again for what he did for a 10 and 11 year old. And in the meantime, I'm going to keep looking around for people I can stand up for. And that's what's happening this week in my Latter-day life. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We sure appreciate it. The show just keeps on growing. If you can think of someone who would enjoy these conversations, and you could share it with them. We would really appreciate it. You know, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Love to have you follow us there. I just checked. We we have over 1,600 followers on Facebook now, and it just keeps growing, and we just really appreciate it. If you want to reach out to me directly, I can be reached at Sean at LatterdayLives.com. That's S-H-A-W-N at LatterdayLives.com. And that's about all we got for you this week. So until we meet again, there is a great big beautiful world out there. Scoby in it. Just not of it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>